Welcome to the Platform Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Kundi wright founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, and I'm on a mission to help others build sustainable, healthy habits. I know how hard that can be because I've struggled and succeeded to varying degrees throughout my life, but I've lost over 100 pounds and kept it off for over a decade now. The key for me was discovering my passion for lifting weights and kettlebell sport. On this podcast, we'll talk to athletes, coaches, experts, and everyday people about kettlebells, fitness programming, nutrition, mindset, making an impact, and generally striving to grow and leave a legacy of positive change. Please join me. Welcome into the platform podcast. My guest today is my first non-kettlebell sport uh, coach or athlete, which I am very, very excited about. Her name is Amanda, soon to be Teal, but she simply goes by Manders. So I'm just going to call her Mander, and uh, I'm very excited to have her on. She is a nutrition coach and a CrossFit athlete. Amanda, welcome into the platform podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Me too. So... To get started, tell me first a little bit about your athletic background. How did you how did you come up? Were you a very athletic kid growing up or did you fall into it more more as an adult? Yeah, I was going to say or lack thereof, honestly. Um, I was not. I was not an athletic kid. Um, I did dance and theater. That was where my background came from. And the only actual sport that I played was basketball, but that was kind of a lost cause because I'm very short. Um <laughs> So I was not, I mean, I was decent, but it was definitely not the sport for me. Um, so then I kind of just transitioned just into dance theater and the only real athletic background that I had came from dance. Um, well, yeah, so let, that let's, was not, that. let's not diminish the athletics, the athleticism of dance <laughs> at all, because I, I was a theater kid as well as being an athlete, yes. kid, but I, I was totally in theater growing up and I actually took Love a ballet it. class in college just to, yes. with the actual intention of strengthening my ankles and getting better for football, but holy crap, ballet is yes. hard. <laughs> ballet, ballet is probably the hardest of the differences. Cause when we were, when we were in theater school, you know, you had to do, I'm sure, you know, a little bit of everything. So you had to do, you know, some jazz, some tap, some ballet, but ballet was by far the hardest for sure. But on the plus side, (laughs) yeah, no, that was not my forte either, but the flexibility aspect for sure helped me in CrossFit without a doubt. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about CrossFit. You, you got into it, uh, what in 2014, it it looks like on your bio. So how did, how did you stumble into CrossFit from, from dance? Oh my gosh. Well, I wasn't doing it with dance anymore, um, like competitively. And I did kind of miss that like competitive aspect of things. And I just, I wanted to, I was like one of those typical girls, you know, that was like, Oh, I want to go to the gym and I want to be fit. <laughs> and um, I actually started at gold's gym. I was not introduced into the fitness world based on CrossFit. I went to gold's gym, absolutely hated it. I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> and then I remember seeing a picture of Christmas Abbott <laughs> back in the day 
day. And I was like, oh, what does she do? <laughs> and then it was like, that's where that's where the, uh, the whole thing started. And then I remember I Googled um, CrossFit gyms near me. And in my true social anxiety self, I went to the gym like three times, pulled into the parking lot, saw all the really fit people. They were doing kettlebell farmer carries. I'll literally never forget this. They're in the parking lot doing farmer carries, all of them with their shirts off. And I was like, I can't do this. And I, I drove away. <laughs> so it took me a little bit to actually get it. I was very intimidated. And then once I started it, it was just definitely, uh, that was it. I never looked back. Nice. So you're, are you from Florida originally? Or are you from the Midwest? Like I'm trying to put the dots together of how you were from Florida Atlantic to uh, Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> how, did, how did that Oh happen? man all the different things. So yeah, I lived in Florida for a very, very long time. Um, and then, so weirdly enough, my now fiance has a friend that lives or lived, I should say, where he grew up in the Quad Cities, which is where I live now. And I had known this girl as well, just through like the fitness world. She's like another Instagrammer, you know, fitness kind of girl. And we had talked on social media here and there. And one day I had noticed that she well, let me back up. Austin, my now fiance, had sent me a DM in relation to one of the like hate comments that I was getting on my YouTube channel. And we, I, I clicked on his page because I was like, who is this? And I saw that we had a mutual friend, our friend Bonnie. And I was like, how the heck does Bonnie know this guy? So I reached out to Bonnie and we were talking and she's like, oh my gosh, you guys would be the best couple ever. He's the nicest guy. I could not pick a better guy for you. And I'm like, okay, you know, have very little expectations. Sure, sure. And here we are. <laughs> two years later and um, I moved from Florida to the Midwest for him and now we're getting married in October. <laughs> so, Congratulations. That is, yeah, fa- that is fantastic. Yeah. Right? The, the DMs actually worked out for once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that. Like, cause you're, I mean, I I'm like, I'm hovering right at, right at like 499 followers. And I've been, I've been waiting to see when it click actually clicks over to 500, but you're at like, you know, thousands of followers. You're a big deal on YouTube. You're, you're, you're what oh. they would call an influencer. Oh <laughs> I think. Lord help me. <laughs> yeah. And so, know, you know, the, the funny, the funny story of, of how, of how I actually got in touch with you. One of my athletes uh, was like, Oh, this girl is awesome. You should totally reach out to her. And I sent you, I sent you a DM on, on Instagram. And I think I prefaced by like, Hey, I'm not a creepy guy. Just trying to hit on you on, on Instagram. <laughs> One of my athletes actually referred me to you, but you know, I it, think it, she it took several, several weeks for you to get back to me because you're like, I have literally hundreds of direct messages a day. I get like 500 yeah. DMs a day. So tell, tell me yeah. about that. How much of it is like haters? How much, how much of it's creepers? And like, what, what is your experience uh, like now being kind of a social media, you know, you're, you're kind of a big deal on social media. So what is that? What is that oh like? Oh gosh. Well, thanks. I don't, I try not to like, I never, like, <laughs> I really, I try not to be that way. Um, I could hear yeah, your the, cringe the, when, when I said that word. Yeah. Ooh, I was like, no. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the DM box gets a little out of control for me. Um, but that's the funny thing about this. And, you know, I, I'm not one to say like, oh, love at first sight it wasn't like that because obviously I didn't know him but I will tell you that I typically do not go through my inbox dms and respond to men I just don't do it I've never done it um I wouldn't say there's a massive amount but there definitely is a decent amount and I just to be honest with you there's so many and it gets overwhelming that I just don't even bother doing it a lot of the times I'll check through like they now Instagram has sorted it from all to like top rated or something weird in your dm request where it will push to the top the ones that it thinks you want to see the most so it's weird but yeah a new feature but so back then when he had messaged me 
I said to myself, this is really bizarre that I'm opening this message because I don't do this. But his message, like he was not, he actually wasn't hitting on me, which is why I think I opened it. It wasn't like a, hey, I'm sliding in your DMs. He was literally talking about what this guy had said to me. And that's how we engaged in conversation. And I said to myself, why are you opening this? That's so weird. You don't do this. And I always tell him, like, you know, when we think back to that, I'm like, I swear there was like this little voice in my head that told me like, no, no, it's okay. You can, you can open this one. He's nice. <laughs> and so I did. And it was just, I listened to that little voice in my head and it was right. And yeah, so that, that that's how it goes in the DM box. They typically and, get and it was, ignored, and it was in response. His message was in response to a, like a hate comment you got on, a hater yes. comment you got on YouTube too, right? So like yes, kind of, yes. hey, thanks for the, thanks for the hater, right? Like, <laughs> you actually got right. some, something positive out of, out of a hater comment i did which i will forever be so thankful for that to tell you the <laughs> truth like he allowed me to meet my future husband so thanks a lot to that douchebag <laughs> i don't even know what the hell he was saying i get so many hate comments it's unreal like i so stupid is that is that mostly is that mostly instagram or is that mostly youtube equal distribution or or is there I'm, I'm curious because I don't have much content on, on YouTube yet. And I've been uh, thinking about putting more content there, but part of the reason I haven't is I've, I've heard that you're going to get yes. a ton of like oh, trolling and hate brutal. comments and. Yes. Brutal, brutal. I didn't start getting them. I got, okay. I would say it's more on YouTube for sure, but I, what I did not know and I'm not going to like get too much in detail because I don't want to give them the clout, but there is an entire group of people, you're never going to believe this, their entire life is dedicated to watching influencers such as myself or, you know, other fitness people, I'm not going to name them out specifically, but there are some people that they watch and they are on a forum that they talk about our every move, hate on us, watch every single video, every single post. And I, I mean, they are nasty. Like when I first found this, my mental health was absolutely in the trash. Like I wanted to completely quit everything, but then I realized that that's actually what they wanted. And it is terrible. And it's not just me. Like there's so many other people on Instagram and YouTube that have these like hardcore group of haters, but it's weird because they're like obsessed. They watch everything. They know every single thing we do and they discuss it. And it is the most weird thing that I never knew I was going to encounter when I started growing a social media following. I never knew that was a thing. Well, uh, I will, I will, I will quote uh, something I heard from, from another social media person. Well, somebody, he's not really dedicated to social media, but another coach in the figure uh, competitor world, he says, you only get hate from below. So don't worry about it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> nobody, nobody hates from above, you know, down, right. It's never, it's never it's the so people true. that have bigger followings than you, or that have a more successful business than you that are hating you. No, it's always people that are, that are beneath you. It's you're always getting hate from right. the bottom. So don't sweat it. Very right? true. Basically, yeah. his, basically his point. So, um, wow, that's, that's crazy to me. Like, what do they, I mean, what do they criticize you for? Because you have credentials, like you put good content out there. You clearly walk the walk that, you know, uh, like, I'm, I'm really curious. Yeah. Like, what, what are they, what are they hating on you for? Like your, your lips so, are sick. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> so I think, and you know what, honestly, like, I think that's what bothers me about it so much because I have never, ever, ever been a fitness person who has claimed to, you know, be something that they're not. I, I am the first person that will be a hundred percent upfront about my school journey. My school journey has been forever because I w switched careers. I was somebody who was diehard on being in law enforcement and all of the stuff that I initially started out in was all criminology, criminal justice. This. Well, guess what? When you switch to exercise science, 
They don't care about that shit. So you got to start literally <laughs> credits from transfer. the ground up. Exactly. And I don't think people get that. So like a lot of the things like people will say like, oh my God, she takes forever to finish her, her bachelor's degree. And I'm like, yeah, you know why? Because I'm paying for it out of pocket. Okay. I have zero student loan debt and I've switched my major literally like 10 times since like 2012. So like, you know, it's taken me a while. My first degree from the very first school I went to has absolutely nothing to do with the stuff that I'm doing now. So like, I kind of don't really focus so much on like a bachelor's degree. And some, for some reason, that's like a big thing that people hate on me for. And I'm not entirely sure why, because it's not like, you know, it's not like I'm saying I'm nutrition certified when I'm not like I have a nutrition certification. I actually just signed up for the nutritional therapy practitioner school, which starts in September. Um, and I, I've, I've always just been very honest about it. So I think that's what bothers me is that like, you know, I've never like scammed people. I've never like, I don't know. I've never done anything. Like I never photoshopped, nothing that's like controversial. <laughs> and so like, that's what's weird to me about the hate that I get is it's just like very mean. Mm. And it's just like, a lot of it too, they will make fun of me for like my just physical appearance. Like they make fun of my face being round and um, just all kinds of weird stuff that doesn't really have any, you know, substance to it, but they still do it because they know that it's hurtful. So, I mean, obviously it says more about them than it does about me, but yeah, it's totally. just weird. The things, the things that people will like discuss in such detail, it's just so weird to me. Now, what, what do you think the gender dynamic is there? Because like, I, I get, I've gotten some, some negative comments about my appearance, but it's never been like to the degree that it feels like women are painted into the corner. It's like, if you're strong, you get shit for being too big and too manly. If you're skinny, you get shit for being too skinny. If you're not skinny enough, you get shit for being too fat. Like it's, it's like, it feels like no matter what you do, you're going to get hate for something. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of, it's funny. I actually talked about this in one of my most watched YouTube videos to date. Um, It's titled the truth about gaining muscle because I was never really overweight. I was a fairly small person, you know, I'm five two. And when I started, I was like a hundred pounds, but I was, you know, what they would call skinny fat. Like I had zero muscle at all. And the only way that I could get bigger in terms of gaining muscle was to eat more. So when I would go through these like periods of bulk, I would put on some fat because I was doing it naturally. Right. And then they would be like, Oh my God, you're so fat. <laughs> you're fat. Your face is fat. This is fat. And then as soon as I would start to cut again, after I had gained the weight, then I would look a little bit more jacked because hello, I'm cutting the fat off of what I just built. And then the steroid accusations would roll in. And then it was like, oh, my God, she's on steroids. And I'm like, bro, do you know what a girl that is actually on steroids looks like? Because, like, <laughs> it ain't it. You know, like, so I go through those, like, different types of hating. But to answer your initial question, it's female. A hundred percent, no doubt. The only time I ever get hate from a guy is always like they have they have no shame. It will be their actual page, and they will be saying something about being too manly. But any of the other hate comments that are from like um, like YouTube or if they're quote unquote anonymous, they are one hundred percent females. Because I'll tell you what, no man in this right mind would go through the effort and time to make a fake instagram account and be part of a forum and stalk people all day long and talk about their appearance <laughs> wow yeah that's, that's it's crazy that is crazy that is crazy to me uh that is that is very crazy to me but i mean right? it, it seems like you're in a good place with it now i mean you said it initially initially it, it, yeah. kinda, it 
put a tax on your mental health a little bit, but talk about that journey a little bit. How have you, how have you kind of taken ownership of like, of, of your appearance and, and being a strong female? I mean, cause like, I want to give you a shout out for what you just accomplished in the gym. I saw you, you put up a 205 pound clean and jerk, right? Is I've got that right. It was 200, 205 pounds clean, clean and jerk on the, on the barbell, right? That's, that's fucking sick. Thank you. Thank you. I actually, I actually failed the 205 jerk, um, but it, I, it's really annoying because I can jerk and clean separately both more, but I can't do it together. <laughs> but so that was a I've 200 pound clean and jerk. Yes. And then it was a 205 clean with the failed jerk. So it was very frustrating, but yes, it was 200 pounds. So that was really exciting for me because um, I'm 124 pounds right now. So that's pretty, you know, decent for a natural athlete. Um, so yeah, the, the, the mental health journey as far as that goes, I think it, it hurts. I'm never going to lie to somebody like when they, when they ask me about it, because it does, I'm sensitive and I'm definitely, I take what people say to heart more, sh- more so than I should. And so like when they would make fun of me for being quote unquote fat or what have you, which by the way, I don't really, oh, that's a whole nother topic, but like, you know, fat shaming and this and that, it's just so grinds my gears like nothing else. But, um, it did hurt my feelings. It did. And it was like, I looked at myself differently. And even to this day, there's sometimes where I'm like, Oh, I can't post that because my face looks too like chipmunky. And so like, it has an effect. It's just like kids being bullied in school. You know, like I can remember what kids would bully me at school for still today. And I'm 26. So, I mean, it, it definitely sucks. But then like you just said, you know, people will do that to you from the bottom I've never had like a true friend ever do something like that to me obviously and people that are in my corner are very supportive and very uplifting and that's kind of what it came down to was just really surrounding myself with those kinds of people and being secure in who I was like if you want to sit there and you know talk shit about me and say that you think I'm on steroids it's honestly a compliment because this is five years of natural work and you're just probably mad because you can't do it and you want to undermine what I've put in so I kind of got to that point where I was just like, you know what? Screw it. Like these people are so lame. I'm out here like actually trying to better myself both in the gym and then in school. Like who cares if it's taking me a long time to get my second degree. Okay. Like this is not like I dropped out of school and I'm just like trying to act like I have some, you know, bachelor's degree that I don't, I'm still working towards it. I'm honest and I'm okay with that. So I think just, you know, going through it for all the years of people being nasty is kind of just built a little bit more thick skin, I guess. Yeah, totally. I can, I can relate. I, I understand uh, the, the being bullied in school, the, those things stick with you way more than, way more than yeah. you think. It's, uh, it's one of those things that you don't kind of ever get over. Um, did it, did it ever uh, progress into like disordered eating for you? Or I know that that happens a lot in, especially in, in dance, uh, in the dance circles, because uh, you get a lot of pressure yeah. from coaches to be a, a particular size or a particular look. Did that, did you ever, did you ever go down that, that dark path or did you, were you able to avoid that, that darkness? Yeah, no, I'm so thankful. I never, I never, ever had something like that. And I think that's just because I was not at the age where it typically gets to be that intense. I was still fairly young. And just by genetics, I was always a very small child. So I never dealt with like being bullied for my weight as a kid. It was always the opposite. Like my ribs stick out because of scoliosis and I was thin. So like I would get bullied for my ribs sticking out. So it was actually the opposite. Um, So I never dealt with that. And then even to this day, like I knew what I was doing when I was bulking, like I was intentionally bulking. I wasn't 
wasn't out there, you know, bulking like crazy, gaining like 20 pounds of fat or something in a few weeks. It was very slow and progressive. So, and I'm a nutrition coach, like that's what I do. So I knew that the end result was going to be what I wanted. I just have to go through that uncomfortable phase of gaining a little bit more. Um, but it never really progressed into any type of eating disorder. Thank God, honestly, because that's the one thing I can say that I don't like struggle with as a coach myself. I'm, I have a really good relationship with food. I kind of feel like I always have. Oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. And and you clearly have a very good relationship with your kitchen because I, I look at the pictures that you post and I'm like, ah, that looks delicious. Oh, wait, let's, oh, that looks delicious too. Oh, that looks delicious too. So let's talk a little I bit about your, your, your nutrition approach and, and your cooking. Um, let, let's start with your nutrition, your nutrition uh, philosophy and approach. Cause you have a, you have a precision nutrition uh, level one, which I also have. And that, yeah. that's more of a, it, it's not tracking macros. It's more of a, I won't say Right. Intu- I won't say intuitive, but it's it's designed to be more around behavior modification and uh, picking up habits and building building successful habits. Um, but it seems like your your approach and practice is a lot of tracking macros. So let t- just talk to me a little bit about how you how you manage those two approaches and kind of what your overall philosophy is when it comes to nutrition. Yeah, so I think there's definitely a time and place for tracking macros. I'm not somebody who wants to track macros for the rest of my life, nor do I think really anybody should want to have that as a goal. But I do think that it's really important for people who have never done it and they're trying to achieve a specific goal. You know, it's not the end all be all. They definitely can make progress without tracking macros. But my kind of philosophy on it is to understand both the quality and the quantity of what you're putting into your body is just going to give you the best results and help you learn about what you're taking in because that's kind of where I want my clients to be when they, you know, no longer work with me. I want them to be confident in the kitchen and know what a serving of, you know, or what four ounces of chicken looks like, or, you know, when they're picking things off of a restaurant menu, they know that this is going to make them feel good, or this is going to make them feel bad. And really, I think what helps them get there is knowing what they're taking in both macronutrient and micronutrient wise, because just to give you an example, like I had a new client who had never really paid attention to anything sodium wise in her diet. And she didn't really understand that a lot of the processed things and a lot of like, you know, just junky style foods, for lack of a better word, have a ton of sodium in them. And she was noticing through tracking her foods and then also tracking her weight that her weight kept spiking really, really high and dropping back down. And I was like, well, you know, let, let's look at your sodium. Like you're really, really high in sodium on these days. Let's let's try to focus on that and bring that back in. And then she had messaged me back. She's like, oh my God, my rings on my fingers are not super tight this whole week because I've eaten so much less sodium. So like, I think that's an interesting concept for people just so that they can see, oh, wow, I ate 4,000 milligrams of sodium when I don't (laughs) eat 4,000. Yeah. Oh, oh, believe me, I've seen it all. So then they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. And it's kind of like the light bulb goes off because they're able to understand what exactly they're putting in their body. So I think for the philosophy side of things, I want to be able to help people understand, but then also apply it in the long term to where they don't have to always be weighing and tracking their food. Yeah, I think that I think the thread that that ties uh, the precision nutrition approach and the flexible macronutrient tracking uh, diet it, together is is the longitudinal adherence component, right? They want it to. The reason you track yeah. your macros is so that you can have the pizza if you if you adjust for it, right? Yeah, you, you, you exactly. Know a, you know, on a given day, like, oh, okay, I'm going to have pizza tonight, so I'm going to have 
no carbs with breakfast, very minimal carbs with lunch, and make sure I get my proteins and I keep my fat relatively low, get my veggies, get my micros. And then if I have three slices of pizza uh, with dinner, it still fits my macros. And I didn't blow my, I didn't blow my diet out for the day because I accounted for it. And precision nutrition is kind of a similar vein where they're like, Hey, you can eat anything that you want. So long as you uh, make it work with your overall perspective for the week, you know, that's the thing that ties those approaches together is that longitudinal approach of adherence and making it, making it fit your life. I I like the way you said it, like that. It sounds like you're part of your philosophy too, is you're trying to coach independence. Like you, you are the type of coach that is trying to to develop people to no longer need you. You're trying to make, (laughs) you're trying to make your, you make your job not necessary after a certain point, right. To educate them to the point where they don't need to keep hiring you. Correct. Absolutely. And, And I think that's really helpful for people just to be comfortable with what they know and be able to educate themselves and then just be confident and move forward without somebody telling them what to do. Cause I think something that I see a lot and I don't write meal plans, obviously, cause I'm not a dietitian. Um, but sometimes people, I see this a lot more commonly in the bodybuilding space. They will have these meal plans that they just blindly follow and they have no concept of what exactly they're eating calorically come to find out once they start tracking macros, it's like severely severely under eating and then they wonder why you know they're having all these issues with binging or or what have you and I don't want people to feel like when it comes to nutrition that they have to blindly follow these things I want them to be able to feel knowledgeable and learn something from me because that is what makes me feel valuable as a coach is to be able to provide that kind of you know support whether it be something in the form of education or just experience or support whatever it might be i just want people to be able to use me for as much as they can be a sponge and then go off on their own basically that's kind of my my goal as a coach nice and how how often when you, when you have when somebody hires you as a nutrition coach how often are you checking in with them and kind of what's your what's what does it look like from the client's perspective So I work for a company called Black Iron Nutrition, and it's great because we have an interactive software. So each of my clients, we get a weekly check-in, but they have access to me via the software at any time. So a lot of times uh, I'll have clients that will send me a message midweek, and they'll be like, hey, I'm going out to eat at this restaurant tomorrow. Would you mind taking a look at the menu and helping me do whatever? Um, So they can message me at any time, but the check-in process, basically depending on your goals, we have a lot of different track options. So I have some clients who are strictly weight loss. I have some who are performance-based. I have some who are just general health. And then I have like very, very, very new beginners who are just trying to learn how to track. So the questions and the check-in process looks a little bit different from client to client, but overall it's an interactive software where they can log their, um, their weights, their measurements, we have check-in pictures, then they can sync their MyFitnessPal diary, which is my personal favorite feature of the software, because I can <laughs> see every single thing that they're eating every day, um, some micronutrients, and then, you know, like I said, their uh, check-in questions, depending upon which track they're on, essentially, so, um, but once a week is the, is the process for each client. Okay, cool. Uh, now, what about what about you? You personally, do you do you track all of your macros um, right now, or is are you in more of are you in more of an intuitive phase right now? Like, what what goals are you working on? I guess is probably the right way to frame that first and foremost, um, because it's, yeah, that, so... that really depends on how specific you need to be, right? Yes, exactly. And I've gone through plenty of those phases. I was going through a bit of an intuitive eating phase over the last like. 
I don't know, during quarantine kind of, I was just, you know, going in and out of tracking just to see, because I have a habit of not eating enough when that, when I'm not tracking protein, I'm good at, but it comes to like carbs for some reason, I'll just really want them pre and post workout. And then I kind of just like forget about them. So for so me, let, it's more just Can, we, can we dive enough. in on that really quick? Because that's something that I'm trying to reinforce with some of my athletes of uh, the importance of carbs for performance, because there's such yeah. an ingrained oh, yeah. fear of carbohydrates. Can you just elaborate yeah. on that a little bit for me? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. So um, our body uses energy in the form of glycogen, which comes primarily from carbohydrates. So you literally need carbohydrates to function both brain health and in your physical health as well, especially muscles. So your muscles, when you're people, a lot of times I think because it's funny, I just did a video on this too about sugar. They have this like negative correlation between carbs and sugar, but it's like there's so many different types of carbs and sugar. And when we're talking about pre and post workout, it's so beneficial to have those carbohydrates pre, but then post even more so because once you're tearing your muscle fibers, working out in the gym, um, your body needs to replenish that. And it's going to pull from the carbohydrates, the glycogen directly to like from energy. That's the only source it's getting it from. Now, obviously, you know, protein and fat plays minimal roles, but the main source is carbohydrates. So if you're somebody who's like an endurance athlete, especially, but weight training, like you need to eat your carbs. You just got to do it. <laughs> Unless you got some medical issue, you know, where your doctor is like something, there's actually a scientific reason why you shouldn't be. Every other CrossFit athlete, weightlifting, endurance athlete needs to eat carbohydrates. And so one of the things that I find really interesting about um, the the CrossFit mantra, right, is, is the they pushed very much a uh, paleo, no carb, paleo, low, yeah. low, low carb kind of approach. And I was like, I get that from the perspective of who most of their client base is coming from, like 80% of their clients are people who are coming off the couch trying to get back in shape, you know, and then they get into it. And so I completely understand where they're like, get off the couch, get off the carbs was their tagline, right? For a long time, right? Greg, I think it was Greg Glassman said, said that a lot, get off the couch, get off the carbs. But to your point right now, right? At a certain point, when you get serious about knocking out your wads, you need some freaking carbs <laughs> like absolutely both, bef- both before after and probably throughout your day in order to have the glycogen stores to be able to to be able to hit a 45 minute high intensity session that's going to put you over anaerobic threshold for 10 15 minutes at a time sometimes like, yeah you've got to have that glycogen it's so true i wish more people would realize that but it's funny because when i took my crossfit level one certification this was um, back when they were really still, I don't even know if it's like this anymore, if they've changed it, but they were still pushing the zone blocks. Do you remember those? No. Oh, you did? okay. So zone was like huge before paleo. I think it was right before paleo. I, I remember the zone diet, but I'm not, I'm not familiar with the tone, the zone, zone block. I'm not, uh, that, that to me is a blocking scheme so, from playing offensive lines. <laughs> yeah. So blocks were like, okay, think about it in the terms of macros. They would say you could have X amount of blocks per day and like each amount of blocks correlated to a certain amount of protein, carbs, and fat. So it's kind of like a way to track macros, but it was way complicated. People, when I did a video on this, people in the comments, some people said that it's still popular. I don't know, really. I've never seen anybody still use it. But anyways, point is when the, when I was listening to those CrossFit athletes who were the L1 staff at the time, I literally was like, 
you are legit full of shit because you don't eat this way. And I said to one of them, who is actually my friend now, funny enough, he was my L1 staff now, he's one of my friends. <laughs> I said, bro, you don't eat that way. And he's like, no, I know. He's like, well, that's what we have to say. And I was like, okay, here we go. So that's kind of like what I wanted to get away from is like, you don't need to be blindly following something. You need to do what's best for you. Yeah, that and that that is such a huge thing from, from my perspective. Uh, I am... I, I uh, one of one of our core principles uh, for the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, and for me personally, is is I'm anti dogmatic. Um, I I mm-hmm. I hate dogma so much because it it forces people into these rigid boxes, and it tries to homogenize people as though there is one right diet, there is one right nutritional approach, yes. and it's like bio individuality is such a thing, right? And like tech, like you have to adjust your technique based on your lever length and your body shape. You have to train differently based on the type of muscle fibers that you have in your body and what your goals are. You have to eat differently based on what your body likes and what it doesn't like, what makes you feel good, what doesn't make you feel good, what makes you perform, what doesn't, right? Like everybody, (laughs) we're all these like wonderful, unique, beautiful uh, disasters of of biochemistry and, and biomechanics and like to, to have a training philosophy or a nutrition philosophy that's like everyone must do this to me is one of the dumbest things you can do as, as a coach or as an athlete or, you know, just as a person, like to follow blindly and not think like what makes me feel good, what works for me, like that, that's one of those things that just grinds my gears, right? <laughs> like that just gets yeah. at me. Yes, I agree. hundred percent. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your training approach. Do you coach any, do you coach any athletes in, in the gym as well? I know nutrition is kind of your, like your bread and butter, pardon the pun. Um, but, but, uh, do you also, do you also coach, coach athletes as well, or, or do any personal training or, or program design as well? Uh, not anymore. I used to, when, um, I think it was pre COVID, I would say probably from 2019, like in the mid summer to the end of 2019, I was doing one-on-one sessions, but, I don't really get as much fulfillment out of that as I do with nutrition. I love training, but I have a hard time with one-on-one. I, I, I don't know what it is. My fiance is so good at it. And I really am envious of the way that he is able to just crush those one-on-one sessions and people love talking to him about stuff. And I just, I don't know what, there's something I'm lacking in the one-on-one personal training session and I don't know what it is, but it's just not my favorite thing. And so I told Austin when we were kind of going into this new year, I was like, I really don't think I want to do PT sessions anymore. They're just not fulfilling to me. Now, class settings, I like. I don't mind coaching class settings at all. I have a lot of fun with those. And I do it's coach like being on stage, right, that... for, for a performer. Yeah, it's definitely fun. And I, you know, you get like your little group of people that normally come to take your class. And that's that's super fun for me. But um, I don't I don't love coaching people to coach as much as I like coaching people to eat <laughs> or I mean coach people to train versus eating I don't know why it was just personal preference I guess oh I mean because I mean I'm gonna say I, I love working out but I love eating way more <laughs> like you have, yeah, right? you, have, you have one of like if you're a good nutrition coach and you can teach people how to make food that's delicious and fits their their lifestyle that then their goals like right, right. They're, gonna, they're gonna love you so much because you're gonna you're going to make them happy and healthy that I mean that's that's fantastic you know that's uh, yeah <laughs> that's a great thing what about your own personal um training right you're obviously you're 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 pretty accomplished I mean you're you're uh your ratio on your clean and jerk was like a 1.65. And just to contextualize that for people, uh, when I was a college offensive lineman on a football scholarship, I cleaned and jerked 350 pounds 
at the body wow. weight of 260 pounds. And so that puts my ratio at like 1.4. Your ratio at 200 pounds at 125 is 1.6. So you're That's actually cool. <laughs> you're actually putting up more weight, uh, clean and jerk, at a, at a at a better ratio to body weight than I was doing at 260 pounds. Like that's so that that's that's legit that's badass. Crazy. I just I just want to call that out. Like that is legit oh, badass. Oh God, thanks. Uh, weight. So you're, you're putting that's up some some serious numbers. How, how have you gotten there? You said five years of 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 work. Like what what's been your approach to uh, to training? Oh man. Okay. So I started CrossFit, diehard CrossFit. Um, I learned the snatch and the clean and jerk through my CrossFit gym. Then my coach who owned the gym in my very first first CrossFit gym. I, I think he or one of the other members was like, I think he would be really good at Olympic weightlifting. And I was like, okay. Like I just, I did what anyone told me at that point. I was so like in love with it all that I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, so I started Olympic weightlifting in 2016, I want to say. So it was really, um, even though it was 2014, it was like the very, very end of 2014 when I joined the gym. It was like November, I think, and I didn't really get into it until 15. Um, so then I, I want to say it was either the end of 2015 or early 2016 that I started competing in weightlifting. And I really enjoyed it because at the time before they changed the weight classes, I sat perfectly as a 53. Like I never had to cut weight. I mean, maybe like a couple pounds of water weight just to make sure I was there, but I sat just naturally at that weight and I was pretty for a local, you know, level, I was pretty competitive and I made states and, um, I qualified for the American open series, which I competed at. And then this year, had it not been for COVID, I would have competed for, Oh God, I can't even think of what it's called anymore. Cause I'm so out of the loop for these days, but I started with that. And then it's funny that you asked this question because I go back and forth so much. Like I'll do Olympic weightlifting solely for a little bit. And then I'm like, I hate this. I want to go back to CrossFit <laughs> and then I'll do CrossFit. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm on board. I want to lift again. I'm going to go back to lifting. So after going back and forth like that for literally years, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like I competed Wadapalooza, Crush Games, like diehard CrossFit only. And then I would go complete 180 to Olympic weightlifting. And what I've learned is that you really can't do both successfully if you want mm. to be competitive. Yeah. So I kind of just decided that I was going to do just what I enjoyed, which is honestly a little bit of everything. So like I'll do some Olympic weightlifting, but then I will do CrossFit workouts and I really enjoy gymnastics. So I work on a lot of like skill work. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at now, which is like a nice big hybrid of all of the above. Nice. Yeah. And, and for people that are uninitiated to the Olympic weightlifting scene, a part of the reason you can't do CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting competitively at a high level is because the, the scheme is very different. Like CrossFit is doing submaximal load for as many reps as you can do in a particular time or as fast as you can go to a certain number of reps. Whereas Olympic weightlifting at the highest competitive level is one rep maximum output. And those are very different physiological goals yeah. that you need to train for. You have to train your systems very, very differently for that. It's such a pain because I really do enjoy both of them in different ways, but I learned like through a lot of, a lot of mental breakdowns on the platform that it's just not, it's just not possible as much as I wanted it to be. I just could not be the best weightlifter that I could be or the best CrossFit athlete that I could be if I was doing them simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. It's really hard to, to conjugate those, those two, because they're just 
antithetical goals. I mean, you can't work on your one rep max and your, and your endurance at the same time. Like they're just, they're just yeah. antithetical goals from a, from a system perspective. But I will say yeah, that kettle, exactly. kettlebell sport and CrossFit actually, uh, actually go really well together. I don't know if you've ever done kettlebell sport, but I would, I would love to see what you could do uh, on the platform with, with kettlebell sport. It's uh, it's very, oh, really you'll have to... very analogous to CrossFit. You would actually really, I think you would really cool. like it. You have to send me the link to it because I'm really interested in that. I, I would love to. I would I would be I would be so happy to introduce you to kettlebell sport. It is it is very very fun and it it really aligns like people who are really good at Olympic weightlifting like the technical components of it and people that are okay. really really into CrossFit tend to tend to really like the mental challenge of it because it's it's for time and it's for a, you're you're trying to do as many reps as you can with a specified rep or with a specified weight for this period of time you know usually 10 minutes um and it's very very challenging but it's also highly technical so it's that sub-maximal load for time with as many reps as you can with the heaviest weight that you can manage but it's three specific movements just like in powerlifting or olympic lifting mm. right it's it's only so it's clean and jerk is called long cycle jerk which you're familiar with jerk um and then mm -hmm. snatch but snatch is done w with one hand um so it's one bell in one hand and you go five minutes per well you, you only get one hand switch in a 10 minute set and so you okay typically people switch at the five minute point um but you can do it you know whatever strategy works best for you but uh i, I think oh, you i think you would find it very very fun so i will I oh will yeah be, i always i'm than always down to try new things cool so the uh the next thing i the next thing i really i really wanted to give you a chance to talk about is why you don't drink and i know this is i know this is a big thing that um kind of grinds your gears right is is that mm -hmm. uh is that you have you're very public about the fact that you don't drink um and mm -hmm. i want to just give you an opportunity to, to talk about why that is and you know why that's not uh cool right why isn't that cool i, I don't i don't know but uh i just want to <laughs> i just want to give you the microphone and let you let you rant a little bit about why you don't drink and 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 how you how you want to make that cool why I know I really wish I think there actually is based so if you're not familiar my YouTube channel is Simply Mander and I just did a video the I think it was this past Monday and it's called Why I Don't Drink Alcohol Straight Edge 26 Year Old and I get this question a lot because a lot of people who are tracking their macros they ask me how to track their alcohol or how to do this and that and it kind of just kept getting brought up and I am probably one of the only people that I know who does not drink at all and who also never has drink. But when I posted this video, I got a lot of comments from people who were like, Oh my God, thank you for saying this. Like, I just didn't know that, like, you know, how to, how to verbalize this and why I don't drink and why I wish people would stop asking me or forcing me. And there is a lot of people out there like me. I just didn't know that. And so that's why I decided to open up about it. And I think for me personally, it's been a combination of things. So the first thing being is my dad, who I no longer have a relationship with. He has been out of my life for a while, but he had a lot of mental health issues, but it would also correlate with drinking. And as a child, when I would see drinking happening, there was also something negative happening along with it. So I think that deep rooted, it kind of created this correlation of drinking equals bad, like something bad is going to happen, some type of argument, some type of fight, some type of unhealthy behavior. And it was things that like, I can still remember even when I was really little. So when that happened, and then I think when I was 
eight, my uncle actually died in a drunk driving accident. And I remember being so upset about this because I was just like, I don't understand how somebody could drink and drive. Like that was my huge thing that kind of scared me going into high school. Like when I started understanding what could happen when people would Mm -hmm. drink and drive. And um, I just, for whatever reason, when I started seeing people change, like they would start to get drunk or their personalities would just become different. I started feeling really uncomfortable. And that was kind of like the start of noticing that I just felt differently about it. Like I was never one that wanted to know what it felt like to be drunk or to do drugs. I've never done either of those things. And I just remember even like for my high school prom, I didn't even go to it because I was the one that was driving all of the kids who were drinking to and from parties because I was so scared that some of them were going to drink and drive and like kill people. So it's kind of been like a fear factor. And then the more that I got older, I started having stomach issues. And then the GI doctors were basically like, um, you know, here are some things that you really should avoid. And alcohol was always at the top of the list. And so it kind of gave me an excuse. And I relied heavily on that as a crutch. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, oh, great. Like my stomach issues don't allow me to drink. I can just use it that as you an like excuse. The social, I... the social permission to tell people, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't drink because my doctor said it's bad for my stomach. Yeah. And then so that's kind of where the whole thing started with me. And I was like, why am I why am I lying? Essentially, I'm not really lying, but why am I not just saying because I don't want to? And also, why is that not okay? That was where I, that was where this video was born, essentially, because it should be okay. Like there should be no other acceptable response to where if you offer someone a drink and they say no, thank you, your only acceptable answer should be okay. Do you want anything else? That's it. And the amount of times I have had to get an why argument not? with full. Why just one? Oh my god, why? First of all, bitch, it's not your freaking business. <laughs> second of all, <laughs> second of all, why do you care what I'm putting in my body? Like, just think about that. If the roles were reversed and I was running around McDonald's with some like you know salad of health, I don't know, and I was like, why are you eating that? Like, you need to eat this. You just just have one bite. Just have one bite. You know, it's just like. Nobody does that. So why do we do it the opposite way for drinking? I I just cannot conceptualize it. So I don't know. I just, I wanted to put it out there that like, it's okay for you to not drink for whatever the reason may be. And I don't, and I'm okay with that. And now at this point, I kind of pick and choose when I want to get into it. Like if I'm out in a social setting and people are drunk asking me, I don't even bother yeah. Um, but if someone is just like genuinely curious and they're like being respectful, then absolutely I'll explain to them, you know, but, and you're, and you're not judgmental of people who do drink, like from what, from, no. from what you've Mm-mm. put on what your YouTube videos, like it's, you're all about like, it's your choice, what you put on your body. And I choose not to put this absolutely. in my body, right? Like, yeah. I mean, with the obvi- with the obvious exception of you know, if you're being if you become an asshole or you're being you know you're being dangerous or treating people poorly, then obviously we should all care when that when it becomes a, a negative thing. But it, like, you know, if if somebody chooses to have a, a drink, you don't care about that, right? But oh, um, right, that's yeah, exactly. Why, why and it's just weird. Right, and what I find really interesting about this is, you know, I have. I've tested this theory myself actually. And when somebody asks me to like, they'll offer me something wherever I am. And I'll be like, Oh no, thanks. I don't drink. And then if they say why I have tested being like, Oh, I'm sober. 
initially like kind of uh, uh, yeah. insinuating yeah. that I'm recovering, which that is you not had the a problem case. before. Yeah. Yes. And their mentality then from that point is, Oh my God, good for you. So proud of you. And I always didn't understand that because not taking anything away from recovering alcoholics said that is fantastic that you're recovering and you're sober now, but I don't understand why the choice to not do it is also not like, I'm not asking for a you know, pat on the back or congratulations, but I'm just saying like the respect issue is not yeah, there yeah. for some reason. Like, why there is, is there no positive respect. affect associated with being in recovery versus positive, no positive affect for just I just choose not to, and I never have. Just choosing not to. Right, exactly. And it, I don't know why that has to be such like a crazy thing for people to, to understand, but it's just weird that it's just not respected. Like if I offer somebody something to eat and they don't want it, I'm not going to be like, oh my God, why? <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird to me. It it is it is a very it is a very it is a very weird thing and it's uh, I I love your I love your uh, unofficial sociological experiments uh, as as somebody <laughs> who studied psychology and sociology in college I find I find your sociological experiment of testing different responses uh, very fascinating and fun and that's totally something I would do too um, just yeah. just to see what the what the different responses are but uh, so how do you handle it with your with your clients um, when they when they do ask you because what most people don't actually know is alcohol actually is the fourth macronutrient technically um but yeah, uh, obviously yeah. our, our body can't actually process it because it's poison um, it's just a very mm-hmm. diluted poison <laughs> well depending on the, the proof it's it's moderately diluted or, or very diluted poison um but how do you handle yeah. that with your, with your clients i mean i think that is actually a good a good question that a lot of people would love the the opinion of of an expert on uh how, how should they adjust for alcohol and how do you track it in your macros if you're if you're serious about losing weight but you still want to be able to have a glass of wine, you know, with dinner or, you know, something like that. How, how should they go about tracking it? Yeah. And there's definitely no, if you want to do it, there's no proof that it's going to completely hinder your progress. Like, yes, there is definitely some negative side effects to it, but for the most part, you can, like you said, have a glass of wine and Mac, um, Alcohol has seven calories per gram, whereas, you know, fat has nine and carbs and protein have four. So you can't, actually log it in the way that like the nutrition label on the bottle well actually i don't even know do they have them on the bottle because i've never looked at this but i know that like commercials no no. most i will say most most alcohol companies are not going at least when you're talking about hard liquor they are not going to they're not going to advertise what the calories are you will see it more in in so weird beer, beer and like seltzers and things like that that are typically i'm just going to say when they're being marketed to women or to people who are health conscious then they will highlight the calorie count because they'll be like oh only 96 calories per can or only 110 calories per can or whatever that's what i was just thinking yeah they always have like oh only this per can or something like that so in that case what you would do is if you can find what the calorie amount is you can basically either divide it by four to account for carbs or you can divide it by nine to account for fat, or you can kind of split it evenly between carbs and fat and, and log it as that. Um, so it just kind of depends on what you feel more comfortable with. I would probably just suggest to do it as both just because it's even, and then you would have to um, just leave that kind of blank. You can create an entry if you really wanted to in my fitness pal for however many carbs and fats you want to log it towards, but there's kind of like, it's not picture perfect. Yeah. And, uh- if you want to nerd out a little bit here, um, please do. How, how does your body actually process alcohol? Because it, it doesn't, 
it doesn't process in the same pathways as either carbs or fat. So can you talk a little bit about, about that, that process internally? Yeah. Okay. So I, th- I actually think it's really great that um, you said that alcohol is poison. Cause I think a lot of people forget that and <laughs> it actually is. So <clears throat> alcohol is broken down in your enzyme in your liver cells and it's called alcohol. Oh God. i never, I always just associate it as ADH. That's what the, that's what the, uh, the lettering is, but it's alcohol dehydrogenase. Oh God. I totally butchered that word, but you get the point. ADH. Dehydrogenase. Um, yes. <laughs> Yes, thank you. I always say that wrong. Um, So basically, it's broken down in your liver, and it takes about an hour to metabolize it. But I think it's it's different because people think that it's being like digested in the way that like your body uses protein, carbs, and fats, and it's actually not. So I think that's why expelled. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. To be expelled from the body. Yeah, to literally be expelled. And that's kind of why, um, you know, you're, they'll say like, oh, your blood alcohol content is this. It's because it's eliminated through your bloodstream. So that's what's happening when you're ingesting alcohol. Your liver is breaking it down, metabolized in your liver with the enzymes, and then it's being expelled through your bloodstream. <laughs> so really fun fact for you there. Yeah. And, and I, I've heard that, um, and, and that's one, that's one hour per serving of alcohol. And I think people will need to be really clear on that. You know, you talked about macro tracking, helping people understand what the actual, what servings actually look like. As a trained bartender, I can tell you that a 1.5 ounce serving of booze is that's, or, or one, 1.5 ounce pour of booze is one serving. One beer is one serving. A three ounce pour of wine is one serving. Well, if you're holding, you know, a, a typical red wine glass, that will hold like four or five servings servings in one glass. And most cocktails right. that I make are going to have uh, two to three ounces of, of, of spirits in them. And, you know, depending on the, a, you know, the ABV of a beer, it may have 1.5 servings of alcohol, right? So like I, people tend to underestimate their servings of alcohol consumption in the same way Absolutely. that people underestimate their, their number of calories or their macros that they consume. So it's, it's really important mm-hmm. to understand that component of it as well. It's, it's per yeah. one serving that it takes an hour for your body to process. And I've seen research that indicates that in that one hour that your body is processing the alcohol, it's not doing anything else positive, right? It's not, it's not doing protein synthesis to help you rebuild new muscle tissue. It's not metabolizing fat to, to help you get, to help you lose body fat. It's, it's not doing any of the things that our workouts are supposed to be helping us with, or or that your goals are typically centered around because your body, because it's poison, your body prioritizes, Hey, we need to get rid of this before it kills us. And it stops all the other major processes. Am I, am I right in, in that kind of reductionist summary? That's why I was laughing. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent accurate. And that's why I was kind of laughing when you said it's literally poison because you don't typically hear people say that. I mean, I say that, but I never want to say that to people because I don't want to seem like I'm judging them or being like, wow, I'm going to poison in your body. You know, I'm not here but, to spare um, anyone's is, feelings. <laughs> yeah, clearly, which I love that. But yes, it, it is true. And I think well, if I remember correctly, the alcohol gets eliminated from your bloodstream at, I think it's like point point oh one per hour or something like that. And like you said, people are underestimating how much is actually in their drink. So it takes your body a lot to metabolize and a lot to get rid of it. So it's not doing anything other than legitimately poisoning you and then making your body work to expel it. Yeah. And 
the the intoxication piece is always so fascinating to me because you know and that 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 rate of of uh expelling is is dependent on a lot of things you know like how how damaged your liver may or may not be uh your stress your mm-hmm. sleep your hydration your food your you know all of those food, things yeah. there, are so, there are so many factors and then there's the whole thing from a psychological standpoint that's really fascinating to me has always been really fascinating to me is state dependent intoxication right so the the context within which you typically drink matters for your perception of intoxication and how much it affects you that's why like you you drinking with your friends as you normally do you may have two drinks and it's, it doesn't get you buzzed but when you go to a concert you have two drinks and suddenly you're buzzed even if it's the exact same alcohol content because the context mm. has changed and your body doesn't process it in the same way like there's so many fascinating components to that i know i'm nerding out a little bit too much on that but it's, no i, just, I, I actually love that. i didn't know that fascinating yeah there's there's and then there's state dependent learning um which is the you know for somebody who hasn't who hasn't drank in their life i can tell you as somebody who has drank in their life um that there are there are motor skills that you actually learn if you typically learn them when you are intoxicated, um, you are not going to be as good at, as good at them when you are not intoxicated, which is the, you know, the J curve of, of like darts and darts and pools, pub games, right? So you'll hear people that say like, oh, I'm not any good at darts until I've had two beers. Well, that's because that's when they started learning to play darts and is after oh they had gosh. two beers. And so that's when they learned and their body adapted to that learning environment and they learned the skill in that state. So until they've had two beers, they're actually accurate that they're not as good at darts until they've had two beers but then there's obviously the the curve you know the inflection point of diminishing returns where once you've had you know four beers suddenly your your motor skills are now compromised so uh oh wow that's so interesting i did not know that yeah it's a it's a super interesting phenomenon my you know if you feel like nerding out and rabbit holing down some research you can look at state dependent learning and state dependent intoxication it's uh it's very it's very fun research and uh it's it's very interesting to to point people to and and to read some of those things but uh that's that's, uh that's that's neither here nor there just an interesting an interesting uh nerdy phenomenon that that i'm aware of um from somebody i do love nerdy phenomenon (laughs) so now let's talk i want to give you we've got like well, I want to be respectful of your time. We blocked an hour. I, I always want to give, be respectful okay. of people's times, but I do want to give you a chance to gush a little bit about about your hubby to be, uh, because I mean he's he's a very handsome man. I can I can very comfortably say that he's he's a good looking <laughs> guy, and you guys are clearly both very into the uh, into the fitness uh, industry. And you've also been posting a lot of your wedding prep and some you know you've you've put some cool Yay! stuff out there about about your about your personal life. So just I'm just going to give you a chance to to gush about your your husband to be a little bit oh I like that to end on a, a little positive lovey-dovey no that's cute yeah oh gosh he's great um I mean he is your typical like midwestern nice <laughs> I mean just like your good old-fashioned Iowa nice guy he is so friendly I've literally never met somebody that didn't like him he could talk to a cardboard box like he's just so personable and he knows how to talk to people I think that's one of his strongest attributes he just is like I mean he talks to people all day long from personal training because that's what he does primarily and it's just like incredible to watch him listen and so intently and he just is like the best <laughs> like he's just like a great problem solver because 
he doesn't get worked up about anything. So you have like him on one end of the stick and then you have me, the polar opposite, who's like nervous Nelly 24 seven panicking about everything. (laughs) So it's great that we're able to come together and meet in the middle because there's no way that like (laughs) I could be with anybody other than him. Like he's my other half that is, so complimentary to me but then it's good for him too because he has a hard time like standing up to people you know just because he's so anti-confrontational and he's so Mm. nice but like unfortunately people will take advantage of him for that and so i'll be there like (laughs) yeah i'm like hell no we're not doing that and so like i typically am the one that will like you know tell people no or you know it's just great we have a really good balance and he obviously is passionate about fitness and I can't say as much as the nutrition side of things though you would literally die if you saw what he eats in a day it's embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) the joys of those genetics though his whole family is like so jacked it's ridiculous I kind of low-key hate him now because I mean he's a handsome sack of man he's tall he's got his his six-pack going on and he apparently he doesn't eat yeah real great he he doesn't eat that well so I kind of I kind of low-key hate him a little bit right now (laughs) He literally just texted me from the other room and he was like, I hope your podcast is wrapping up soon because I have a pizza being delivered in 10 minutes. And I was like, God damn it. (laughs) And he'll eat the whole thing too. Great. Yeah, you know. But it's it's great that he's it's great that he's a a, a very strong compliment that I, that actually like my my wife and I have been together for um, fifteen years now and it's we're very similar in the oh, opposite wow. way I'm I'm super I'm super outgoing and she's more introverted and you know I'm 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 a bit I'm a bit much sometimes and she balances me out I'm aggressive and she's more conservative you know like she's yeah like, I'm, she's she's more risk averse I'm more risky so like it's it's very nice to have that that yin and yang you know the perfect guy. yeah. So that's, that's, 100%. that's, that's, Love that's it. fantastic. I'm, I'm, I wish, I wish you guys really nothing but the best. I'm so glad that you found each other because some asshole on YouTube made you. a negative comment and he felt compelled, right? to, but he felt compelled to reach out and just be like, Hey, not everybody out here is an asshole. And you opened your DM, uh, for <laughs> against, against your, your usual protocol. So yeah, it tends to work out now. sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> well, Manders, thank you so much for coming on. I really, I really appreciate your time, and I really enjoy this. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I want to make sure that we wrap in time for you to go enjoy your your pizza with uh, <laughs> with Austin. So, thank, thank AKA you so much me for watching on. him eat pizza. Well, <laughs> thank yeah. you so much for you having can, me. If it fits your macros, you can you can have a slice or two, right? You you know, if you exactly. if you if he'd have told you that he was going to order pizza, you probably would have made sure that it fit. But uh, you know, that's <laughs> that's that's something you guys can can figure out but um before we sign off just how can people find you how can they hire you how can they you know see what you're doing on instagram on youtube uh, i want to give you a chance to make sure that you you can you can plug yourself because uh you're obviously a really good coach and you're, you're doing it the right way trying to help people uh learn and and you know teach them as much as you can so i really appreciate that perspective you know give your, give yourself a shout out and let people know how they can find you Oh, thanks. Everything is just simply Mander on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok too, but there's really not much uh, fitness content on there. It's mostly my dogs. And if you want to check out my dogs, that's really the best part of my life, actually. They're simply snooters on Instagram and they are 
amazing and I also have these like specific voices for all three of them and like have full-on conversations with them and people say that it really improves their day so and I I totally (laughs) totally said we were going to talk about that so like two minutes I'm just going to say you have three pit bull mixes of some kind they're all rescues and you do merchandise for them that benefits the shelter that you got them from which is fucking awesome and I volunteer there every Thursday. So every Thursday on my Instagram, on my stories, you get to see the adoptable dogs that are at the shelter. It's a no-kill shelter that I volunteer at, and they're awesome. Like, it's just so amazing. And people love to see the dogs. And I also really like to educate people on rescuing and pit bulls as well, because I'm sure, as you know, they have such a bad reputation. But all three of mine, like, will literally change your mind about pit bulls if you ever had any type of, you know, they're such they're such there are no bad pit bulls just bad pit bull owners they are such yeah, phenomenal dogs. i've never met one that i don't love so um, me too <laughs> thank you so much i really appreciate your time and i'm gonna let you go but i i really appreciate you coming on i i really enjoyed the conversation so thank you so much oh thanks so much for having me i appreciate it no problem talk to you soon bye Thanks for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. I'm Jordan Kundi Wright. If you have a question, please email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub, on Twitter at TCKBClub, online at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com, and please help us grow our reach and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.